If only I could find a place where smiling strangers knew our faces, I would take you there. A place with constant melody where you and I could wander free, I would take you there. Seems like such a waste of time just trying to unwind the facts of life. If I could find a place, I'd take you where the pain don't cut you like a knife. If only there were time enough. Take you there Seems like such a waste of time Just trying to unwind the facts of life If I could Smiling strangers knew our faces. I would take you there. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this hour, our host Tom Dupree, joined by Missy Clifton, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. This song is by Harry Nilsson, and it came off his fourth album, which was released in 1969. It's called Harry got a picture of him on the front of it as probably a 12 year old child and Harry Nilsson's songs I've studied him for probably 40 years off and on but lately a lot more they're very autobiographical and they talk about his broken relationship with his father and uh, things that he dealt with uh love relationships that went wrong um he was a prolific songwriter became good friends with the beatles uh you can hear some of that in his songs um namely john lennon which was probably the worst beetle he could have hung around with because they sort of fed each other's bad uh, habits in terms of drinking and getting in trouble but um you know, Harry Nilsson, uh, he wrote song. He he wrote a lot of things that were sort of whimsical, and they 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 don't they sound unserious. But then he writes some things that just have this wonderful. Uh, they're, they're they're real songs. They're you know like something by Brahms or. Or uh, you know, somebody that really is a songwriter for the ages, and um, he is, uh, in that sense, uh, I call him a classical songwriter. Um, and I think as time goes by, he will be regarded that way more and more. Um, 
and you know, part of my job is to help in a small way keep the memory of some of these people alive. You never hear Harry Nilsson discussed or played on any uh, on any uh, media these days, um, and and so maybe we can do it here. Um, my reading is from Psalm 119. If you've ever read the Psalms, there's 150 of them. They're in the Old Testament in the Bible, P-S-A-L-M. And Psalm 119 is about 300 verses. It's huge. Um, It's the longest book in the Bible, if you want to call each Psalm a book. Uh, Well, a chapter of a book. This is Psalm 119, uh, verse starting at 57. Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy, thy law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy laws. The earth, O Lord, is full of Thy mercy, teach me thy statutes. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. That's uh, uh, Psalm 119, verses 57 through 65. The theme of Psalm 119 is about seeking um, resolutely or deliberately to do God's will and to learn God's laws. That is the theme, and that David, the psalmist, um, despite his numerous, numerous flaws, uh, God described David as a man after God's own heart. Well, you wonder, well, how could he be a man after God's own heart if he, you know, sleeps with a guy's wife and then sends him, gets her pregnant, and then sends her husband to the front of the battle to be killed, which is exactly what happened. How can that be a guy after God's own heart? You, you have to ask yourself that question, and it has to be a serious question. You know, you don't just take it for granted because it's written in the Bible. Oh, well, you know, it says in the Bible. He, no, that's why you have a brain. Sometimes, uh, to me, and this is just what I've noticed, some of the very most flawed people make (laughs) the best seekers after God, especially if they uh, become uncomplacent and, you know, realize that their own uh, flaws 
and just how screwed up they are. So, um, and this is a, you know, why do we do this show and talk about the, the, the stuff that goes on is because we see uh, the world and people in the world doubling down on their own insanity as if uh, as if there's nothing wrong with it and it's it's not just stupid. So speaking of stupid, uh, Missy, uh, no, <laughs> say what? Yeah, no, Missy is not stupid. She likes to spot stuff that's stupid. But uh, okay, so you got something that? No, it was you. You actually. You, no, no, I didn't call you, you reached, stupid. Hold on. No, back up. That's not what I called you. You reached out to me and you said, did you see, did you read the Lexington Herald's yeah. uh, article? Um, but now it's got to be your idea. Well, <laughs> you know, don't blame it on me, baby. I, <laughs> Come on. Here's, here is one of those pieces that um, the discussion was about the fact that the Lexington Herald took the opportunity, Herald the Herald leader, Both of them. took the opportunity to re-spin a serious situation in a new kind of political yeah. view, if you will. That's the part of it that and, ir- irked me. And, you know, and, and it's a serious situation. A, an individual died, a pedestrian died. And now I'll talk about that a little bit, you know, I mean, what, what the bigger issue is. But at this individual died. She was hit by a vehicle. The wait a intersection. minute, wait a minute. That I'm, trying, I'm trying to say it that right. That the that individual yeah. passed away at the intersection of Nicholasville Road and Rosemont Gardens. And that's not the issue, sad as that is. What the issue was is that she was originally identified as a female in the coroner's report. But then the Herald Leader felt the need to correct because friends brought it to the Herald Leader's attention that she what that this individual was not a she her we didn't use those that she this individual i, I can't even do this use pronoun use Maybe the you they the right them pronouns and so if you go you, back and you read I've, I've complete i know i've completely done word salad i feel like kamala harris it it was the, so if you go back and you read their read no, the article it is I feel like kamala harris it, it goes back you know that that you that they had such a curiosity about other people they Referring to this individual who's not plural, they were curiosity. They they had so many projects. Their music, their masters, they graduated. From so when their she masters. uses they, they were she avid. is substituting that for either he or she. So the right. word in this Correct. case, they, has come to mean a gender. They is now right. a gender. That was her and, preferred and pronouns. The, right. And that the newspaper spent... What I saw was the newspaper spent pages discussing the life of this individual when and you, have, you have other people pronouns. who have died that were uh, pillars of this community. And, and maybe a whole newspaper should be written about them, and they barely mention their passing, whereas somebody just because they chose to you and and it's not minimizing the person who died that's not what it's about it's sad when someone's hit by a car and killed this was a person who who had come to lexington from somewhere else was in uh was in its 30s 
I don't know what else you would say. It was in their thirties, um, and was, uh, but the point of the big write-up is not so much to, uh, they 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 paper discussed this person's life at length in order to get several instances to use the proper pronoun you know it was a, a oh, thing i mean i can count like maybe i don't know you know what it reminds me of right it reminds me of when the episcopal church which i'm no longer a member of but they made a big push to not describe God as him. It was always going to be God this, God that. So they would change parts of Scripture and take out the he or, and, and put in God. So I remember there was a hymn one time, God is light, let something adore him. Da, 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 da. Well, there's a thousand places in there where it says he and him. And I remember at St. Peter's Church in Paris, Kentucky, because we had a, a, a woman priest there who was kind of adamant about this stuff. I remember singing that hymn to her and replacing all the things in there where it said he or him with God. And, of course, they walked <laughs> she <laughs> walked away uh, sort of, you know, in other words, this is a rewrite, and, and here's why I object to this. People, in general, theoretically think, oh, okay, if you want to have your own personal pronouns, it's okay. You do you. I mean, is, 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 an, is a they still a you, or do we, are we going to come up with another pronoun for is it for I, you, we, all that? Uh, Just it, don't use it because I it, did. It, I did. Well, it's it sounds like a demeaning description, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I, no, grew up. I did, let, let me finish my point, and then you guys. All right. The point is, what does it say in the Bible? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. It's at the beginning of Genesis. And it's also at the beginning of the Gospel of John, which is the very first book in the New Testament. It talks about the word. What does that mean? It means that words matter. If you can do violence, and I call it violence, to the actual language of, of how we communicate, us, they's, and them's, and he's, and she's, you now put us back into the dark ages because we don't have an agreed upon language anymore. You remember the, the place in the Bible where uh, the people tried to build a tower to heaven. This is in Genesis when everything, I mean, you talk about screwed up. I mean, this is a Sunday school compared to what it was back then. And what did God say? I will confuse them by making them have many languages. It meant that there would never be a common means of communicating with each other. Now, why did the church split 
from Eastern Orthodox to Western Catholicism, which then gave rise to all these Protestant denominations that we have today. Language. In the A.D. 300, 400, everybody spoke Greek and Latin. They could do both. Then you had the headquarters of the Western Church at Rome, the headquarters of the Eastern Church at Byzantium, which became Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, Turkey. They spoke Greek. The scholars began to not communicate with each other, the theologians, the bishops. There was a split. Inevitable that there would ultimately be a schism, which finally occurred like 500 years after there had already been a schism in 1054 or some year like that when the people from Rome came and put something on the door saying you guys are now uh, excommunicated. So now we have an Orthodox church, which is the Eastern church. It's Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, um, Antiochian Orthodox. There's, very, there's a number of them. And you have the Western church, which is the Catholic church and every other Protestant denomination that it's given birth to. It's over language. If you attack language, you divide human beings. This is divisive. This is, an, this is an absolute. No, you can't just say, well, my pronoun is this, and therefore everybody has to dance to that. And the paper, which isn't really a newspaper anymore, it's a tool for mind control, but they don't do it very well. There's nothing appealing about how they do it. It's just like they're using a sledgehammer to fix a fine watch. It's an absolute, inane, stupid way of trying to get you and me to conform to their ideas about how you're supposed to think and talk. That's me. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> that's what I believe about it, Missy. Really? <laughs> Well, to swing out, actually, it's interesting to think about how, and I couldn't agree with you more. It is, it's divisive. It's, it's about an agreed upon language. And if you confuse people, then all of a sudden now we're at odds, right? I, I read that article and I thought, I am so confused about who this person was and, and, you know, and their the very effort of what they were trying to do was lost on me. All right, move on. Agree so, with that. It, interestingly, though, I was looking at a um, you know the kind of the dangers of compelled speech. Okay, oh, which which I you know I have to you know the the First Amendment guarantees you know is a guarantee of freedom of speech. It protects us from censorship of what we want to say, but we don't think often think about how the First Amendment also protects us from being compelled to say something we don't want there to say. There you go. Okay. That's absolutely right. All right. That's great. And, I like that. And so I was looking at it from, you know, just I was just just kind of researching a little bit dangers of compelled speech and came upon this, this discussion in this kind of group chat um, that was not live. It was just captured. And it was about, um, you know, an individual that was saying they did not, that they were being compelled to use pronouns in the workplace and curious the answers 
you know, and, and as I said, I have no, I have no idea what this online community, you know, what, who would, who would encompass, you know, so what, what were ages, the and that's what was interesting. So it was everything from, is this the hill you want to die on? So why to, fight it? Yeah. Why fight it? Find a new job. And, and well, it's, is this the hill you want to die on? Is it really that important? Right. Is it, and, and somebody said, just use you or, you know, Hey, you, or Hey, Tom, instead of, um, would, would, let's see, uh, maybe we should ask them if they want to join us for lunch, referring to one person. See what I'm saying? Okay. Anyway, I said, if it's so confusing, um, you know, just, just use you or the name. And then the next person was find a new job immediately. And then, uh, the next person was, um, use the wrong pronoun is disrespectful and, and you are disrespecting them to the next person who said, just learn to use what I do, which is Z, Zem, and Zer. I mean, so that's the way these people, I, I, how old are these to, people? That's what I said. I have no idea about the community, but you know what? Here, here's the point of this. This shows you how super serious is, serious businesses have gotten under the human rights campaign, which I told you several months ago was a well-oiled and funded machine for all of this DEI stuff. Okay. Well, you know, the, these things... I'm going to tell you, sometimes things get the strongest when they're getting ready to fail. You know, it's like a stock market. Uh, a stock goes parabolic, and then all the buyers are done. And everybody that's going to buy this stuff has probably already bought it. You've been listening to Tom Dupree Show, joined by Missy Clifton. We'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A few months ago, we began publicly predicting lower interest rates. At the time, it seemed like a strange thing to predict, given that some of the most well-known names on Wall Street were saying the opposite. Events have proved us correct. If you disregarded our call and kept money in cash and short-term obligations like CDs and money funds, you've left quite a bit on the table. We warned against becoming complacent when the Federal Reserve begins to cut, rates will drop quickly. We were right. To find out what we think the next move is, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and make an appointment with us. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and your favorite podcast platform.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us for this segment, our host, Tom Dupree, joined by Missy Clifton. And we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So this is Harry uh, Nilsson after he'd done about eight or nine albums. And he was really beginning to kind of fall apart as a human being. Uh, alcohol uh, was a big part of his life. And his music got a little more edgy. Uh, he had obviously been spending a lot of time with John Lennon also. And nobody could... Towards the end, nobody could really tell him anything. You know, Harry, you're not doing, you're not doing the right stuff, and it finally killed him, which it does most people who choose to go completely down a rabbit hole. But I still think he's noteworthy. All right, I got something I want to read. Uh, this is by uh, a person called uh, John F. DeLeo. He's a, he's an opinion contributor. If you haven't been following it, the, the president of Harvard University was essentially forced out <laughs> due to really one guy, Chris Rufo, who um, did a whole lot of research on, you know. Bill Ackman, too. Yes. Yeah, Ackman put pressure. But I'm going to tell you, this guy, Rufo, is the it, Ackman could have hollered all he wanted to. Did you see his Rufo came up with Wall Street the, Journal? Op-ed. Yeah. Okay. Plagiarism stuff. Yeah. And so Claudine Gay, where the trouble started was she and two other college uh, administrators. Atrocious performance. Yeah. It at, was in atrocious in front of the congressional testimony. Stefanik, yep. who was the woman in Congress that really got after him. So anyway... You know, that because, it was, it was per- perfectly fine. And, to you know, I've wipe. seen these people con- uh, on the different news things saying, well, the conservatives have this and that. Conservatives, Harvard's probably 98%, I bet 98% Democrat liberal. All the money has been probably given by 95% rich Democrats. The whole administration, everything about it, there is nothing that any conservative could ever do and have any leverage at Harvard other than expose the truth, which which is what happened. Think about it. You can't ask on Harvard's campus what's a woman, but you can call for the, you know, for a, a... for a people to be white, you know, yeah, allow people, people to, to be, be wiped, wiped out. out, which is what it was about. And then they began to uncover that Claudine Gay was a plagiarist, but we, we were coming up with other ways to explain it, not adequately sourced or things like that. No, she's a plagiarist. So this is an article by uh, John F. DeLeo, opinion contributor. I'm going to read this for probably three minutes, so just bear with me. Claudine Gay is a nobody. That's not really an insult. This writer is a nobody and not ashamed of it. The world is full of nobodies. Not everyone deserves to be in the history books. Not everyone can found a global conglomerate, invent earth-shaking inventions, write bestsellers, or star in blockbuster films. The vast majority of people can only expect to be decent citizens earning a living and providing for their families, serving their community as well as they can. And that's an honorable life. It gets disturbing, however, when someone is so bound and determined 
to matter in the world, to be a somebody, that he or she leaves ethics behind and pursues fame without regard for the rules. And yes, in these in the United States and perhaps other modern countries are increasingly populated by manufactured somebodies, people who want to be the first to break some statistical but objectively unimportant glass ceiling. The first Hispanic congressman, the first black president, the first gay mayor, the first transvestite administrator of nuclear waste. And when people pursue fame that way from a desire to show up in some record book, rather than a desire to honorably pursue an achievement, one truly cares about doing well, something is likely to go wrong. Claudine Gay was briefly the first black female president of Harvard University. One wonders why anyone should care about what color or sex a university president is, since color and sex shouldn't play a role in university policy decisions. Oh, but the liberals say that it should. Other than ensuring there are enough men's and women's dorms for the next admission class. We don't have those anymore. Who is this guy? He's, he's hopelessly out of touch. Enough of each type of bathrooms in each building and so forth. It shouldn't matter what color and sex the president was. But Claudine Gay didn't know how to be a good university president, so she decided to be the first black female president, a more easily achievable target. That title doesn't have any standards, just boxes to check off. She pursued that goal single-mindedly and achieved it, and then she made her biggest mistake. She let herself be televised, behaving offensively in the halls of Congress. All of a sudden, she became a story, and she started to be investigated. Long-buried stories were revived. Long-hidden sins became public. Her primary crime became national news. She was a fake. All right, I'll leave off there. The point is, we live in a society that when you walk away from objective morality, the only thing now you can, you can fall back on are these false notions of, of righteousness. And who, who are the righteous and who are the unrighteous? The righteous are the oppressed. Never mind that they really maybe aren't oppressed in the sense of true oppression, that those that are being oppressed have no voice at all. The oppressed that have the big voice are kind of the manufactured oppressed. Claudine Gay, black female, that checks two boxes of being oppressed. But Claudine Gay is making a million dollars a year and is going to continue making a million dollars a year, having been basically removed from being the president of Harvard. What amazes me is that the people at Harvard, and, and they basically, until the pressure got too great from alumni, even admitted that her plagiarism was really plagiarism, and that in her case, that it was a bad thing. 
See, it sounds to me like this idea of plagiarism, that is borrowing or stealing someone else's ideas and claiming it as your own, is really a white supremacist notion of how you ought to do business. And actually, somebody did say that, that that's just white people being white and that for her, it shouldn't matter because after all, we bent every other rule. But the point is this kind of thing basically runs up against objective reality. And it's beginning to do that very quickly. Now we're saying, you know, we have to appoint air traffic controllers and pilots that fly an objective if you are objectively wrong at flying an airplane, you will objectively kill a bunch of people. But if the criteria is race, gender, and those kinds of things, now we're taking objective science out of it and we're absolutely disregarding the laws of gravity, which can be very exacting when, when they are called into question. Go. AP's headline. Harvard president's resignation highlights new conservative weapon against colleges, plagiarism. And you're like, I'm sorry, is, is plagiarism is or is not a, a, you know, a rule for, you know, I mean, is How that not did conservatives get any traction to begin with? They're not in the administration at Harvard. They have no voice at Harvard. They're not on the board. They're not donors. How on earth? Can you blame that on conservatives? You could have just brushed them off. I mean, just because somebody goes in front of a congressional committee doesn't mean they're going to do anything. They bring Mayorkas in there on a regular basis, and he keeps doing whatever he wants to do. Well, it's just to you know that they're not governed by that plagiarism. Doesn't immediately that, that that it is not a breach of. I mean, this is this is what Harvard. Everything I read Harvard somewhere that the the, the, a, the Associated Press is now being funded by groups like the human rights campaign like the soros foundation they're they're taking money to position um you know to position stories in a certain way i'll tell you another one is this business insider it always pops up on my thing it's it's not it has nothing to do with business it's a left-wing uh shill to pretend like it's you know focused on business but so what he goes on to say in this biz, in this article that I read is that lying, he talked about Joe Biden. Joe Biden's always lifting stuff from other people's speeches. Does it all the time, you know. Now, <laughs> rappers do it too. <laughs> Les McCann, well-known jazz musician, uh, passed away at age 88. Lexington Roots. Many of the young rappers have lifted what they call sampling from his songs. But guess what? When they do that, <clears throat> they have to credit him. They pay uh, some kind of royalty. You know, if your music, if, if they sample something from a Michael Jackson song in a rap tune, the way the music business works, you can't just use that and not attribute it. You know, like if you put that in a rap song that way, you got to pay him a royalty. You know, 
a way to deal with this would be, all right, I'll use your stuff, but I'm going to pay your royalty. But you know, that's, that's too simple. Um, so you just steal it and pretend like it was yours. That's I'll, theft. I also read that, uh, but that's okay too. Nowadays. I also read that, uh, Miss Gay was the only Harvard president that had not published a book in the history of Harvard. Which okay, so maybe that's over. You know, publishing a book is overrated. I just thought that was interesting. She's never. Well, she could put a, a book of her plagiarism. She could, she can now put together a book of her let's, plagiarized paper. Let's go back to Christopher Rufo, as you said. Who? But was so the, what we're saying though, we're being racist by saying this, you know, because she did put in her resignation letter at the end of it. She said she was very caustic. Yeah, that it was racial animus. It was systemic, systemic, systemic racial, racial yes. animus. Mm-hmm. Well, how you're talking about a, a school that's 98% on board with the whole thing of what she's doing. They make the decisions. Conservatives are shouting about something from 500 miles away. They can't even get in the city limits of Boston. How on earth could they have caused this to happen? They have no power in this situation none whatsoever well anyway. a couple of snippets from christopher rufo's uh, op-ed that i, I mentioned uh, to begin with in the wall street journal uh, it's titled how we squeezed harvard to push claudine gay out yeah I, I, whatever he, but he first he first he says public support and we we talked about this in the first um half is that public support for dei has cratered according to him that following the outpouring of sympathy on elite campuses for Hamas, many Americans, including many center-left liberals, began to question the sweet-sounding Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. It makes it sound like it's a food. I know sweet-sounding euphemisms of DEI and examine what they mean in practice. And he goes on to say the nation's leading university had subordinated Veritas to politics, compromising its mission. He did that a long time. The ago. only choice was to force Miss Gay to step down. Course, okay, did, wait a minute. Is he saying the university did it? Or, or, or did did was there pressure? No, he's behind? talking about donors led by hedge fund manager Bill Ackman. Why do they need to worry about donors? Pressure. I mean, they've got fifty one billion dollars in a in an endowment. They could tell the donors I, to go to hell. I think figure it'd a, blow over. But it's it's a story you can spin, you know, and say that they've pulled the fund and it just it sets the bad vibe. You know, I mean, the, I, I I like what Chris Rufo did. I don't like saying we squeezed Harvard. I think the truth squeezed Harvard. Well, you're you're taking a victory lap for doing some 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 spot on research, and you sh- you could have rephrased that and said it differently. Well, I mean, I've I've, I've had uh, suggestions that Bill Ackman's got his eyes on MIT president next. But, he okay. has no leverage right. there. But, he didn't go to MIT. Here was the piece I liked that, that Christopher Rufo said. He said, professors across the political spectrum are working on efforts to depoliticize academic administration, rebalance faculty politics, and restore truth as the guiding principle of American you universities, know what I say to including that? at Harvard. BS. You they're do not say gonna, BS? Yeah, they're, they're not. But wouldn't that be? They're all about that, their tenure and their the retirement. No, there is no goal. The goal they're they're only doing that now because they got caught, you know, with their little game. There's no big revival going on on campuses to to reinstitute the truth. And re- you think science departments are going to back off of global warming? You know that 
you know, is pretty much unverified, but 80, 90% of scientists buy into, you can say that they're going to, they say they're going to do, it's not going to happen. Hey, Tom, didn't you say there was a lot of liability by keeping gay? Yeah, and let me, yeah, I did. I made a comment in the Wall Street Journal. I think there's huge legal liability. Think about it. Aggrieved parties, and I'm talking about against Harvard University. Aggrieved parties might be people that went to Harvard, that have had their reputations and their academic credentials damaged now. It could be students that had to leave Harvard because of actual plagiarism charges. It could be simply people who relied upon academic things that came out of Harvard that now it's apparent that they tolerate academic fraud. That's why she can never admit, nor can the university, that plagiarism occurred. They can't admit it. Because legally, they, they open themselves up to unbelievable liability. That $51 billion endowment might become a $51 million endowment. I mean, the, the possibilities of what could happen, and I don't think anybody's thinking about that. Wow. <laughs> I mean, if Alex Jones can get sued for what a billion dollars for mm-hmm. saying that you know, Sandy Hook was not real, I mean nobody's nobody died or, or nobody's uh, career was ruined over that. You know that was just a thing that he said. So that, that in his delivery, you wanna, as you say, you don't care. For you want to venture to say where where Claudine Gay is going to? Pop up next where she's going. She's still at Harvard. When, but when she maybe she'll write a book. <laughs> no, the, the the point is, I don't think anybody has thought about the possible lawsuits that you you always. But let me tell you, there's some attorneys that are thinking about it because that's a dangerous precedent. Yeah, precedence. you 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 tolerate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were talking about the drug companies tolerating these stray DNAs inside the uh, vaccine. You think they want to, we're talking about a a multi-trillion dollar lawsuit there Mm -hmm. that would absolutely destroy every drug company out there. All of their market cap would be gone. And so, you know, you look at Harvard. I mean, so you, you know, they got $51 billion in the endowment. That's cash. They can write a check. What's the real estate worth? You know, I, I didn't go to Harvard, and I've been reminded of that recently by some folks. But um, I just think it's kind of interesting. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. Missy Clifton sitting in. If you'd like to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, go to the website, dupreefinancial.com, and click on the radio tab. We'll be back in a few minutes with the Financial Hour. Stay tuned.